from the Willamette Valley in America's great Pacific Northwest. You are listening to the Ernest Mann Show, and I'm your host, Ernest Mann. No matter where you may be listening in this great, big, beautiful world, we all share. Hello, folks. Thanks for tuning in or for tuning in again. This is episode number 124, Self-Improvement, How to Improve Your Health and Sanity. You know, there is an old saying that you don't miss the water till the well runs dry. And I've seen that happen not only in my own life, but in many other people's lives as well. The thing is, though, sometimes it's strange that even though the well appears as though it's not running dry, as a matter of fact, it seems to be quite full, yet it's still running dry. Now, of course, if that seems contradictory, well, just bear with me. You see, I've known several people in my life that, for a lack of a better term, they had it all. Or at least they thought they had it all. And when I say having it all, I mean they had a, uh, a solid six-figure income and all of the toys and trappings that go with that. In some cases, they were married and had kids. In others, married no kids. And in yet other cases, simply not married at all. But the point was, getting to know these people, they were definitely dry in the department of being happy. And I used to think to myself, how in the hell, especially compared to what I have, or rather what I don't have, how in the hell could they be unhappy? And I'm talking about being, you know, of course, in good health. So there was no health issues. They just weren't happy. And then I noticed a few patterns. And one of the patterns I noticed was that they constantly talked about their careers. And uh, what I mean talking about their career as to the point of pretty much being exclusive. And so I got to thinking, you know, maybe there was something else part of their life going on before the, the career or the six figures or what have you. And 
So I started talking to them about that. I started asking them that. And for different people, they would tell me different things. And uh, with some of them, it may have been uh, just the hobby of some kind of sport or, you know, hiking extensively. And we're talking serious hikers here, you know, guys that had done the Appalachian Trail and, you know, did some some various activities in Alaska and real outdoorsy types. Some of them did them out of state and in foreign countries. But um, they had a they had a uh, a part in their life where, you know, they were just basically enjoying life and having fun. And they managed to do it without the six-figure income. And uh, we're not, you know, we're not talking about people who were trust funders or, you know, mom and dad's money. They were paying their own way. And they weren't going, you know, head over heels in debt to, to do this. But whatever it was they were doing, uh, they loved it. They were happy. And then, of course, things changed. And they thought that if they had the, uh, the better job, the much better career, um, a more a serious or much more serious relationship, so all these things coalesced and got added on. And it's sort of a strange effect, whereas it's, I don't know, you could maybe kind of compare it to a drug where for a while they get their, they get their thing, they get their widget, they get their car, their, their boat, they get things, they get these things, no matter what those things were. And apparently it gives them their, their, uh, their drug fix, their dopamine fix. And that's okay for a while, but then it fades away. So that no matter how wonderful or say how beautiful that car that they just got a month ago, you know, after four or five months, it starts the the, you know, the enthusiasm just starts to wane. And so maybe they get rid of that car and they replace it with a, another interesting, sporty or exotic car, let's say. But I saw the pattern here. And um, I talked to this, this one guy and... Um, call him Bob. I said, Bob, yeah, that's, that's great. But I had to, you know, steer him back to this other part of what I wanted to talk about. I said, but you know, I went into his basement of his house and he had all this radio gear, old radio gear. And some of it was newer, but it's, you know, all this stuff. I, I didn't really know what it was, but it was actually, amateur radio stuff shortwave and and all that he was 
he was very knowledgeable. He was very into it. And, uh, yeah, he was telling me what all the radios did. And some of them were just collectible. And, and, uh, he was telling me about the advances in shortwave technology. And finally we got down to this, you know, very small radio, modern shortwave radio. It was actually a transmitter as well. But, was, but you know, we're talking like no more than a shoebox. It was amazing. And I said, wow. And I said, so not only can you listen to everything, but you can actually, you know, you can transmit on this. He said, yeah. And then he said, he said, as a matter of fact, he said, I could, this would replace everything else that I have currently. And I said, okay, so for instance, if you were going to be stranded on a desert island and you had to pick one radio and without hesitation, he said it was, it was this one. And it was a fantastic, reliable, bulletproof. He gave all the reasons and even reasons I couldn't, I simply couldn't follow because I don't know the technology, but he was, he was very much uh, appreciative and understanding of all this. And I said to him, well, that's, uh, you know, that's great and everything. So what are you using? What are all these here? And he said, oh, that's just, you know, old stuff that, you know, stuff I used to use in the past. And some of it's getting really, you know, kind of old and it's collectible and I don't want to get rid of it. And he went through all of them and he was explaining this and explaining that. And it was, I mean, it was, it was very impressive. He, he must have had, I don't know, $100,000 worth of radios. It was just, it was that incredible. And uh, I knew other guys who had the same kind of thing going on. Some of them, it was collectible they, amplifiers. Um, I'm talking about vintage stereo amplifiers. <clears throat> and where I'm going with this, the pattern that I noticed is that they get these things and it almost becomes kind of a, a time capsule. And it's a time capsule within their own mind. But here's the other part of this is that you see just as much as you are into those things, those things have hooks into you. These things, um, they they have their they have an emotional presence in your head. When objectively speaking, of course, uh, whether it be a a special amplifier or receiver or uh, one of these shortwave radios or anything like that could be, you know, it could be cars, but uh, just as much as you have them, they have you. And because they have you, they need a place to have a home. They need a safe place in a home, climate controlled, so they have all this 
connected to you because that's where your head is at. That's what I call techno baggage. <laughs> that's my term for it. And, and remember, it can be anything. But um, having gone through this more than once in my life, um, at one point I was uh, in the same mode having my own collection of my own widgets that I simply couldn't part with. And then I realized that everything that I had to do, that is as far as making a living, as to support this menagerie of all this stuff that I have, that it was it was quite a burden. And that wasn't the original plan. That wasn't where this got started. And the thing was, I didn't like where it was ending up. So I made the decision in my life to unplug from stuff. And what I basically, the idea that I came up with um, was to have, at least as a, a good beginning, when you compare all the stuff that I had, if I could put everything I need to live, everything essential and everything I care about, no storage, just my stuff. And for instance, it would, if it would all fit in a van, in other words, if push came to shove and I absolutely had to, and I could put everything in a van and live comfortably, um, that's what I wanted to do. And so that's what I did. And this is a process. And if you've never done this, um, well, that's why I'm going to tell you about it. Because the silly part of this is that because these, these are just inanimate objects, you have to remember. But of course, there may, there may be and probably are um, memories associated with those things. Or perhaps those things, you know, involving other people. So there can be a million memories. And we're, you know, we're, a, we're sentimental creatures, I think. Some of us, perhaps more than others, but I know I am. And uh, just almost getting to the point of crying over selling a thing and uh i said uh well you know maybe i'm losing my mind maybe i'm being crazy but i forced myself through it and i got rid of a lot 
and I mean a lot of stuff. It's really amazing how much you can acquire in just five or six years. I'm telling you. <laughs> but then an amazing thing happened. I felt after, I guess it was two or three weeks, I felt this weight had been taken off of me. I felt, um, you know that that feeling if you're somebody, let's say that you had, you know, really long hair, or your hair is just a lot norm longer than it normally may be, and you go get a haircut, and your head just feels lighter. And Actually, as far as weight is concerned, you you haven't taken very much weight off of your off of your head at all, really, but it just you you feel lighter. Same kind of thing. Just like that. I noticed that um, overall I was happier. My disposition was better. And um, you know. I said, well, this is good. This is a good thing. And then I had the process of relearning how to buy things. Now, let me explain. I went from just buying something and what I would do normally when I bought something was I did a lot of research. Um, and of course, this isn't on, you know, common items, let's say. But for other items, that means doing a lot of research, making sure, okay, this is a very good quality. This is a good brand. Uh, and of course, I'm shopping around. Am I getting the best price? But it never occurred to me having my house and garage that is overflowing with stuff, that it's more stuff. And so after I went through this transformation, then I had to ask myself two additional questions. And of course, yeah, I'm checking quality and price. But the two main questions are, First, do I really, truly, absolutely need this? And the second one, okay, where are you going to put it? It had to, whatever I wanted to get, it had to follow this given criteria. And if it didn't, I just had to say, well, yeah, that's just more stuff. Now, I'm not saying that this was something that was easy for me. As a matter of fact, like trying to develop anything that, in my opinion, is better or positive, it's not easy. And it's also not easy getting rid of old habits, especially if they're dysfunctional or dragging you down. 
And so you have to basically reprogram yourself. And so that's what I did. And I have, uh, I've pretty much been in that mode ever since. So, um, I guess, uh, when I had a friend over, um, I didn't have to, one thing I didn't <laughs> have to worry about is clutter. <laughs> and, uh, I said, we were talking and, you know, he's just kind of, you know, having fun with me, not being seriously critical or anything. And he said, uh, he said, you know, Ernest, uh, you really don't have a lot of stuff. And I said, uh, I said, really, uh, I guess you're, you're saying that I have a Spartan existence. He said, actually, that would be an understatement. <laughs> so I, um, I, I don't have a problem with that. I'm fine with that. And, uh, I live my life accordingly. But um, what I have done, and uh, I've actually even done some consulting with this, uh, with uh, several people, and um, they're happy. I mean, I have not had one person uh, doing this um who said you know i've i think i've just i'm i'm completely heartbroken about uh you know selling my um i don't know uh hat collection or whatever that it it was and we're talking about things there are things for instance that within reason um you can keep and collect um fairly i mean to your heart's content because we're talking about things that are you know if you if you if you just have a collector's bug let's say for instance and uh you got to collect something collect stamps stamps do not take up a lot of space and um Unless you're going planning on being someone who's going to have, I don't know, hundreds and hundreds or perhaps thousands of them, uh, they don't. Um, but yeah, uh, collecting, for instance, if somebody wanted to, for whatever bizarre reason, to collect old computer monitors, <laughs> well, you can, you can imagine the difference. So, but... If you, uh, for instance, decide again that you simply have this compulsion that you want to collect something, well, get rid of the computer monitors and maybe consider stamps, I guess. I just wanted to say that there are many solutions to problems that may not appear as self-evident as we'd like. And um, a lot of that comes with our 
uh, obsessions with things. And of course, we have we have all heard of uh, the condition that some people are hoarders, and that is like getting things and having things, but you know, on steroids. Um, these people have an and then they're in an, in an entirely different uh, space altogether as far as as that's concerned so uh i'm i'm not saying that uh this certainly this idea certainly you know would be helpful to them but it's not on the same level as i'm just talking about average folks who just want to make a huge change in their life and to lighten their load. Now, in addition, this is, I, I recognize and I realize that it's very different with different people in different situations at different stages in their life. This is um, typically a hell of a lot uh, you know, easier to do when you're either really young, um, say, you know, you're, you're, you're mid to late twenties, uh, or let's say you're, you're mid to late forties, depending because, you know, one point you probably don't have kids and, or past another point you've had the kids, they're out of the nest. It's an empty nest situation. And then you could do something like that at that point. So I'm not saying it's a one size uh, fits all for everyone. But in general, um, I think that we, all of us, could use a lot less stuff. And you'll regain uh, your sanity. Because when I say it's not just the objects, the things themselves, but it's all the interaction, depending on the things themselves, that involves other people. And as soon as you've got that going on uh, with tons and tons of other people, then that also can deleteriously affect your mental health and your physical health. All of this, it really does tie together. And by basically lightening your possession load, um, you'll feel better. And you have to simply start out by having one goal and you're probably not going to, you know, downsize, let's say, from what was huge to something that will fit in a van. But you do it incrementally. And there's people... um that I know that have done that incrementally 
And then they had everything, for instance, that they possessed in the world <laughs> in their van, in some kind of van. And then they went to the next step and said, okay, um, well, I want to take these things either, if they don't mind, get a really small storage uh, space, or if uh, you don't want to impose, but if you have friends or family and they have a little small space and it's really not imposing and they don't mind that you stow your stuff there uh, longer term, then, you know, fine. I mean, whatever arrangement you make, as long as it's not imposing, um, then fine. You know, if it works for you, fine. But the idea is, is what you notice is the change that comes about in your psychological and physical health. You will feel better. Um, takes a little time, depending on the person, depending on how much stuff you had. You know, it could take a month, maybe two months, somewhere typically that long. You really want to really want to draw it out. Okay, maybe three months. That should pretty much cover it. And um, what you'll notice is the reaction, especially if you if you have friends <clears throat> who are, I don't know, out of state or whatnot, um, they will notice a, a change in you and for the better. They will say, hey, you seem really happy. Are you, you know, or did you get a big job promotion or did you get a new piece of property? And did you get a this? And it's always a this or always a that. And then they're always surprised saying, I say something like, uh, well, no, as a matter of fact, it's quite the reverse. I'm downside. I've been downsizing my life for, you know, <laughs> six months or whatever the case may be. And they say, oh, really? Well, what about that, you know, that old, that huge old, uh, lawnmower collection that you had remember when you had you know 35 lawnmowers all the way from the 1930s or 50s or whatever it was and you were oh you loved that so much you were so proud and you can kind of laugh and say yeah i was as yeah, a scratch your chin now that you've gotten rid of them all and you sold them yeah i was a those are a little nuts, but yeah. and you can laugh at yourself, but you feel free. You feel lighter. Like I said, it's that kind of like that haircut thing that you feel. Um, and uh, also, when you also think about it a little more, you wonder, why the hell did I have? Why did why really? Why did I? Why did I keep all that? Why? See, because the thing is, and I wanted to just uh, draw this to a conclusion, if this helps. Um, 
the important thing to understand is that for the most part, assuming they're not stolen or destroyed by a natural disaster, one way or the other, uh, things, at least for a time, they go on. These things will go on, but you don't. <laughs> Some of them will survive, <laughs> but you won't. They're just things. And a lot of times there are things, some things, a few things are unreplaceable, and uh, but most of them are. But people and your experiences with those people and the things that you do, especially the things you do together, that is not replaceable. That's a that's a once around kind of thing, the things that you're doing and the interactions. And you shouldn't have things and obligations, financial or otherwise, to these things that you have to monitor or take care of or be concerned about taking out a chunk of your life moments. Because what you find in the final analysis at the end of the day, none of that matters. None of that's the stuff. Really, it doesn't matter. It's the people. It's the people that you care about and do things with and the experiences and the places you go and the things that you see. That's what matters. That's what will make you mentally healthy. And in turn, it also affects you and makes you physically healthy. All right. So what did you think of that? Did you agree with what I was saying? Did you disagree? Do you think I'm a little bit of a genius? Or frankly, do you think I don't know my ass from a hole in the ground? I and the rest of the world would really like to know. So if you're not already there, please head on over to theearnestmanshow.com. In the header, click on Episodes Home, and that will show all my episodes. You can also quickly go to an individual episode by clicking on the little magnifying glass icon, which is also in the header. Then simply put in the episode number. It will take you right there. The important thing I want you to know as well is that you can say anything you want the way you want. You're not a child, and I'm not going to treat you like one. So until next time, just want you to know that there are no bad words, only bad actions. Take care.